Something you taught me tonight. It's, what is a boot family? You see this, buddy? Just the smoke, right? Check this out. You can't break the secrets. That's right, buddy. And that's family. We're your family. We gotta stick together no matter what happens. You guys are my family. That's right, so you can open your gift now. You have to throw it in the fire. I can open it. I'm with my family. Welcome to Talking Giants. I'm your host, Bobby Skinner, here with my co-host, Justin Pennick, and my other co-host today, Danny King, with all three of us. Uh... If this is your first time listening, I probably wouldn't listen because this is this is gonna be a little different episode. We're you know we're gonna talk Giants football, but it's different because you know if you you if you haven't been living under a rock, um, our the fourth member of our team, Anthony, passed away last week, and we did a short little episode on Friday, and we I struggled on how do we how do we go go what do we do next, you know, and. Talking with you guys, I thought it'd be best that you know what the next episode is going to be really tough no matter what. So I think we're going to mamba mentality. All three of us are going to come together as a family. We have some of our most loyal and earliest listeners joining us with it, uh, with doing voicemails and mailbag. But anyways, Justin, how are you doing, my friend? Bobby Skinner. Um, I I said to intro bleeding blue that these last two weeks have been tough for. Uh, a lot of different people for a lot of different reasons, um, but I'm I'm doing well. I'm, I'm glad that all three of us are here. I'm glad that so many people um, are are in today's episode with us. You know, they're 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 talking giants with us, um, and that and that certainly it makes me happy. This has been a nice little reminder of community this past weekend. Uh, I said it on you know the podcast that we put on on Friday, uh, remembering Anthony, and I've said it countless times over and over and over again. And it, call it corny. Call it whatever you want, but you know why? Why we do what we do is community, and uh, I think we we saw that personified this past weekend, and the support that we got, but also the support that Anthony Tomato got and the family got, and Anthony Tomato had a had a second family, you know, outside of his work colleagues, outside of his you know his blood family, uh, it was shown that he has another family, and I'm very very proud of that, and I'm happy to be a part of it. Yeah, and you know the GoFundMe is over sixty thousand dollars. We're working on a T-shirt right now. It's done, but there's something up with our website. Uh, and Danny, I'll, I'll throw it to you in a second. But actually, Danny, how are you doing? Then I'll I'll uh I'll announce what we're gonna do. Danny, how are you doing? I'm doing good. Uh, glad we're all able to be here today. Wish obviously there was four of us here instead of three, but uh, unfortunately it just didn't play out like that. But I'm doing good. I'll keep my uh, sentiments short, short and sweet, but I mean, just just the reaction that Twitter had for people that didn't even know Anthony personally really made me sh- showed me what we've built so far and what we're going to continue to build. Uh, it, I mean, just the support that his family saw with this, especially the GoFundMe and just everything on Twitter, it was really awesome to see. So I'm, I'm glad to be on again, and yeah, just glad to be talking Giants. Yeah, it's it's sad, it's tough doing this episode, you know. I, I've actually been excited about this episode because I, I I think it shows what we're about, man. And I have been proud. I've been proud of the people that reached out. I've been, you know, like I said, just on Friday we saw we scrolled through and saw the people giving. I mean, we saw you know people from 
you know, like CBS New York were getting, you know, Chris Rag was in there. All kinds of people were in there and reaching out, and that was pretty cool to see. And what we're going to do, guys, we have a Talking Giants Ring of Honor, but it only has one member, and that's Dave Tolson. And what it is is someone who's gritty, someone who genuinely likes us. You have to come on the show, and you have to genuinely like us. And we have a third person who will be inducted here soon, but we're going to induct Anthony Tomato as a second member of the Talking Giants Ring of Honor. And we'll be selling Talking Giants Ring of Honor t-shirts with Anthony's name on them, with his number. He wore number one because he was a diva in college. He was He's a diva, diva number one wearing guy. And then we'll give all the proceeds. We want to do some, something for his daughter. She left behind four daughters, and we want to do something for them. And whether it's doing a separate GoFundMe that we give to them when they turn 18, each individual, I don't know. We're going to try and figure out something, talk with the family, figure something out. But I'm glad to be here with you guys, man. I've been very sentimental the past couple of days. You know, it's been tough. But I, I wrote down this corny statement, and we'll get into the mailbag in a second. And this is this is my talk to talk, the Talking Giants community and to you guys. Boys, I refuse to move on, but we will move forward. We must use this to become closer and stronger. We are the grittiest group on the internet. Danny, you are our youngest compadre. You are the most reasonable and even keeled of the group. Like in Trailer Park Boys, Bubbles. The youngest, the little brother, but probably the smartest when it comes down to it. Danny, dominate the Talking Giants website. Continue to do your player profiles. Be a beast. Get known for being a writer. Justin, you are the most educated. You read books, and you're always looking for new ways to get better. The one who can get into it? Online, but doesn't want to. Like Julian of Trailer Park Boys. Justin, become the most reasonable analytics guy. The guy who pairs it out. Dominate that field in a field that needs reasonable people. To myself, I'm the hothead. Who usually dives headfirst into trouble. Relying too much on the school of hard knocks. Like Ricky. The dummy on Trailer Park Boys. To myself, grinded twice as much film. Do twice as many breakdowns. Do more, more, more than the other guys. Us three together, we are the greasy three. No one is going to feel sorry for us. We mix personality with analysis. We move forward and dominate. We wipe the blood from our mouth and stomp out anyone in our way. Boys, the core four lives forever, but the greasy three move forward. Love you guys. That's perfect because my hair naturally gets very greasy as the day goes forward. Greasy. You guys need to watch Trailer Park yeah. Boys. You guys aren't as educated on it. But we are the Greasy Three going forward. The Core Four lives on forever, but we are the Greasy Three. I, I have no clue what Trailer Park Boys is, so that really shows my age. I know. It's I'm actually bothered by it. But we I'm gonna be sharing way too many Trailer Park Boy photos going forward. I sent you guys like twenty last night. Um, in video so danny we have homework we have yes. homework danny tonight watch at least one episode it's on netflix we will never move on but we will move forward boys and we will dominate all right i'm sure a lot of people are going to be reaching out their sentiments in this podcast so let's kick it to steve from blues clues mail time the mail's here come on Here's the mail, it never fails, it makes you want to whack 
my tail. When it comes, I want a whale. All right, thanks, Steve from Blues Clues. Danny, let's get into the mail. All right, the first question comes from Isaac Moretta at Bruegel underscore poppy in which he says sorry for your loss fellas i know what it's what it feels like to lose a friend unexpectedly unexpectedly like that my question for this week is if mac and or one of the other undrafted free agent wide receivers show out in camp who's the odd man out i'm thinking coleman but wanted to hear from your guys perspective i'll send this one to justin first all right so we're implying that one of the undrafted free agents is going to make the team, and he's going to stand yeah, out. Coleman, so then, who's the uh, odd man out in that situation? I don't, or Sills, I don't know. I know you like Sills, Bobby, and I know you're kind of anti-special teams. So I know you're. This isn't what I want. Quoted. This is what you think. Oh, what you think? Oh, true. So I have I have a lot of trouble with the differentiation between what I think and what I want. I'm I will say Cody Core. Just thinking about the the depth that we have at wide receiver right now, because that's a conversation that's starting to pick up kind of like everywhere, <laughs> basically. You know, what if we're living in a world, hey, you know, Golden Tate, we know Golden Tate's pretty reliable, but hey, what if he goes down? Especially Sterling Shepard, that guy, you know, one hit away from being a, his career being ended. So I would go with the talent over then just investing in like a special teams guy like uh, I, I would say Cody Core as well because I'm all in on the Corey Coleman bandwagon and I believe he will be something special Bobby I think it's going to be Coleman guys just for the now if Coleman can dominate the preseason or like he needs to have a good preseason or I think he'll be cut the thing is is anyone going to come back come around and sign Coleman if we do cut him so it might be one of those situations where like like you said Justin if guys go down well they just bring him back up where with the undrafted free agent guys, there might be some other teams out there that are interested and pick them up off waivers. So I think Coleman will be the one. And thank you, Isaac, day one supporter, for uh, leaving us a question. Now we got Ruben Vargas of España. Hey, Bobby. Hola, Bobby. Hola, Justin. Hola, Danny. All the team of uh, Talking Giants. I want to send you a big hack, a giant hack from all the team of Tona Gigantes here in Spain. Um, I know it's tough moments for you guys after the loss of, of Anthony last week. And yeah, I think it's, it was hard for all of us. Great person, great uh, Twitter fan of Giants, great analytics. He will be missed. Uh, we're going to remember him in every Giants game. So listen, guys, um, it's, it's funny because uh, I listen lately in Spain, basically, from all the analysts in Spain, that Daniel Jones have a big problem with fumbles. It's going to be hard for him to be a great Kubi in the league. And I was wondering how another Kubi in the league uh, been in the fumble problem in his first year in the league, also in the last uh, stats of the, of the last year in 2019. And it's quite funny that uh, Carson Wentz, in his first year, had 13 fumbles. And in 2019, he had 17 fumbles, just one less of Daniel Jones. But the question is the next. Why do you think it's uh, Carson Wentz not in the discussion of having fumble problems? He had 27 touchdowns and 7 interceptions only, but he had 17 fumbles. 
with a really nice O-line, with a really nice ward, center, tackles. Do you think it's because Daniel Jones was discussed from the moment of the pick? I don't know. I mean, it's really unfair that Daniel Jones is always in this conversation of fumble problems and players like Carson Wentz or Josh Allen or another young uh, Kubis in the league are not in this conversation. Anyways, I think Daniel Jones is going to have a monster year with Jason Garrett. I think it's going to be amazing in this second year. Just make my words and remember this audio. Okay, guys, I give you all the power in the world of the Giants. Let's go, Giants. Let's go, Big Blue. Love you guys. Hasta luego. Gracias, mi hermano Ruben. By the way, go follow Ruben in the Zona Sagantes, guys. Those guys rock. They actually got our logo on the official Giants page, um, which is a really cool video that all, like, the the international pages got, you know, Brazil, Mexico, all those guys. So he talked about, you know, the criticism of Jones with the fumbles and not uh, with other guys. It's not there so much. I agree with that. Uh, I think that now Daniel Jones definitely needs to fix the fumbles. We've talked about it at an unbelievable amount. Um, by the way, our, our young boy has gained nine pounds of muscle, which was the story of the day for uh, a day. I think, and you guys will agree with me, as it comes down to pre-draft biases, where you know, if you like the guy coming out of the draft, you kind of look away from his negatives. And I'm not saying I'm not guilty of this. And you build up his positives and vice versa, where where Kuyper is, you know, praising Jones for his season and McShay is looking for every reason to bash him. So I think that's what it comes down to. And we've seen guys like Lamar Jackson uh, have bad fumbles their first year and then fix it the second year. And Ruben pointed out uh, about, you know, Wentz having a good offensive line in front of him. So listen, he does have to fix it, but like we've talked about in the past, I, I mean, I kind of think he does. Justin, I thought I think back to the blog that I wrote back in December about looking at like the analytics of Daniel Jones, because frankly, most of the people that hate on Daniel Jones, it's the ones that are crunching the numbers. It's the one that are kind of looking at those analytics on oh, his CPOE is very poor, his EPA is very poor. Well, you have to look a little bit deeper in those numbers and see just how much those fumbles are impacting his EPA. And when you consider those fumbles, it's like, holy crap, it's really, really hurting his overall like numbers. It's hurting his overall like lens on how analytics views quarterbacks. So when you not totally take them out, but when you just consider the context about what was happening around Daniel Jones, we've talked about a nauseating lengths about the left tackle problem. So frankly, long story short, the numbers on Daniel Jones is actually pretty darn good if you remove those fumbles, but at the same time, you can't remove those fumbles. You can't remove those turnovers, um, and that's what kind of gives me hope. It's what gives me hope on Jones, um, but it, like Bobby said, it's kind of biased. It's like, what what are people intentionally choosing to look at? You know, And, and you can skew data, and you can skew numbers to fit the reason that if you want. Josh Allen has, has a good second year, and a Sam Donald has a bad second year, but the people who are high on Donald are like, you know, they're still holding out like, oh, like Darnold. They're like, ba- they're bashing Allen for his accuracy and they're talking about Darnold's potential. Where it's like, I get that. I really do because I'm, I'm on that side. I like Darnold more than Allen. But it's like after year two, you got to be more comfortable with Allen than you are with Darnold. No, I mean, I, I agree with you. Yeah. It's pre-draft uh, bias. I mean, and Jones even knows that fumbles was his biggest issue. As we saw yesterday, he's, he's getting to address it. He's building, he's getting some more muscle. So, it's a known everyone. Everyone in their mother knows Daniel Jones had a fumbling problem last year, and it's going to get addressed. And 
I uh, and I think it will be maybe arguably one of his strengths this year is that he won't fumble the ball as much, or at least hopefully whoever is his left tackle will be able to help him with that issue out. But yeah, it was all pre-draft biases, as you said. Kuiper is like praising Jones, while Tom McShay still can't uh, say Daniel Jones is a quality quarterback. Yeah, I think Jones with the muscle thing. Don't be don't be surprised if you see a little extra zip on the ball. QB's arm strength does imp- like it does improve, and so. Um, where accuracy is like the thing where it doesn't improve. So look for a little extra zip on that ball with homeboy adding all that muscle in year two. All right, Danny, next question. Next question comes from Gazman at G- uh, GM Superstar 2. He asked, Superstar. Sorry, for your lo- sorry for your loss, guys. Thank you for continuing. I didn't know Anthony personally, but enjoyed everything he gave us, and I know you'll continue to grow the show in his honor. Football question. When the show first started, the first question I asked was who would get more touchdowns, yards slash touchdowns, Shepard, Tate. This year, who gets who gets the most, Shepard, Tate, or Slayton? I'm going Slayton mainly because Jones and Slayton built a great chemistry last year in the preseason, and when Jones finally got playing time in the regular season, that chemistry only built. So I think it will be Slayton that leads the receivers this year. Danny, I'm going to go most yards is going to be Sterling Shepard because I'm not going to predict injuries. I'm just not going to do that. So I'm going to go most yards, Sterling Shepard, but I'm going to go most touchdowns, Darius Slayton. Um, you know, he's shown to be that red zone target for Jones and, you know, his like his preferred choice and when he's going to throw a go ball on the sideline that might be a little contested. So I'm going I'm going Slayton with touchdowns and I'm going Shep with yards. Shep was having a really good season and then injuries happen and, and you know, hopefully that doesn't happen year two. Um, so yeah, I'm going chef yards, Slayton touchdowns. Yeah. I'm actually kind of passionate about, about this as opposed to, you know, we've talked about fumbles. We've talked about fumbles, but this I'm actually very kind of passionate about because I was looking through some wide receiver numbers recently and I kind of had like the comparison of Sterling Shepard in a perfect world in a perfect and ideal world. The role that we want Sterling Shepard to play is the role that Steve Smith played for Eli Manning early in his career. Third down security blanket, a smart wide receiver that can find holes in defense, and a possession wide receiver. We thought that Tate would be a little bit more of that. Now Tate's kind of all around. He's kind of reliable in a lot of different ways. But we he's you know, he's definitely at this point more of a big play wide receiver. And so and so is Slayton. That's not a bad thing. Everybody needs to play their role. But why Sterling Shepard is so important is because he is that security blanket. And you even saw it last year on third down. You know, third down he would be the guy that would find holes. I particularly think back to that Washington game. There were some third and longs where he found you know holes in the intermediate in the middle in the middle of the field, and it will move the chain. So I'm very passionate about you know more, most catches, Shepard, most yards, Shepard definitely, and then touchdowns. Uh, I'm gonna go wild. I'm going Tate. Going Tate. Think Tate's gonna have some big 20 plus yard touchdowns this year, and he'll and he'll just squeak out uh, Slayton. I accounted for injury when I said Shepard. I can't say I didn't because I I don't know his health is always a concern for me. Are you a doctor, Danny? Danny, are you I a am. Doctor? I am a doctor. That's what I'm going for. I'm going for a doctor. Totally not going for oh, sports boy. media. You need to get a doctor just so when people be like, "You're not a doctor," be like, "Actually, <laughs> yes, I am." I I've always wanted to get a doctor just for that, just to be able to do <laughs> that. But but just don't use it. Just use all those years, get the doctorate degree, and just go on my way. I just use it for Twitter clapbacks. That's it. That's a good one. That's a good one. That, that, see, that's why uh, that former San Diego Chargers guy's Twitter so good. You can just clap back saying, no, I know exactly what I'm talking about. I like it. All right. Next voicemail. 
Hey, what's up, Bobby and Justin? This is the mage. Uh, first of all, I would just like to send my condolences on the loss of Anthony Tomeno to both of you. I know that you guys were really close to him. And our thoughts and prayers are especially with his wife and four beautiful daughters that he left behind. So rest in peace, Anthony. In honor of Anthony, I do have a question about the New York Giants. How do you guys see the safeties playing out this year with Xavier McKinney's ability to play in the box and Peppers as well? Love the show. Talk to you guys soon. This is an Anthony question, honestly. Uh, how do we use Peppers and safety and McKinney, like you know, mm-hmm. safety wise towards the box? I do think we're going to see a lot of like too high safety. But and I was just watching this actually against um, the Miami Dolphins game versus the Bills, and they would line up both deep, like in cover two, and then one would crash down, and then the other one would roll high, and it'd be like a cover, like you know, playing a center field cover look. three, right? Yeah. Or just be man coverage with one play safety playing under, one playing over. So I think it's going to be a lot of that. But I think McKinney is going to be the one that's going to be coming down more than Peppers. I know Peppers thrived in that role, but I think Peppers has more like ability as just a true free safety. Where McKinney, you might feel better with him in man coverage up north towards the line of scrimmage and doing some different things. So I actually see McKinney playing down uh, more than uh, than Peppers will. I, I think I agree with Bobby in that statement, especially with the Peppers staying up and then McKinney coming down, just because right now, uh, well, obviously it's a totally new defense corner, but Peppers has a little bit more experience playing, obviously, at the NFL level than McKinney does. So have Peppers in the coverage, have McKinney come down and do his thing. Yeah, That's just, just going to be such a fun duo to watch, McKinney and Peppers, and hopefully they get to be together for a long time. But yeah, I'm pretty much I, I agree with Bobby what he said. Pepper stays up, McKinney comes down. And the the good problem that we have right now is how do we find a way where we can have Xavier McKinney, Jul- Jabril Peppers, and Julian Love on the football field at the same time? And kind of like the the aha moment that I had actually when I was watching film with Anthony and when I was talking with Anthony is and this is something Xavier McKinney did at Alabama quite often, you could have somebody lining up kind of like as a safety that's, you know, maybe he's 10 yards, 7 yards back from the line of scrimmage, but he's kind of lining up on top and over the slot the slot wide receiver. So he's kind of operating in bo- at, at both in that kind of regard, where if you were to just look at like the old 22, if you're, if you're sitting in the stands or if you're watching on TV, it's like, oh, that's your safety back there. And then maybe he's, ne- you know, he's, he's next to and parallel, you know, a strong safety a guy that's more in the box. So you can have a guy that can play in that specific role. And that's something that I saw that McKinney did it. And if in terms of how can we have all three of these guys on the football field at one time, uh, that could be a route that Patrick Graham goes, kind of like having a safety, but he's also operating as like a slot corner at the same time, but he's just kind of off the line of scrimmage, and he's not playing in press, even though Graham loves to play press. Yeah, but Julian Love's going to play nickel corner, so whatever. <laughs> hey, uh, yeah, that's a good question. It's, it's I feel like it's the biggest question going into, like just scheme-wise, what we're going to do. Yeah. All right, Danny, uh, next question. Next question comes from Coach T-O-B-C-N-Y-C. He asks, can Ingram and Caden Smith coexist in this offense and contribute? Don't want Ingram to get injured again. For Smith to have a more prominent role on a smaller scale, how does Toledo fit into the tight end rotation, block and tight end or red zone target? 
I think they add well. Obviously, they added Tolio because one of his high end two. He he is a decent uh, run block and tight end. But Ingram improved on that last year, or at least year over year. I feel like there's been improvement. But I could totally see Ingram and Caden Smith being able to contribute in this offense together. Jones loved Ingram when he was out there. He also loved Caden Smith. He was out there. I could totally see him running the the two tight ends. And then when you're down in the red zone, you throw. Uh, Toledo out there because he's just a monster of a human. You can throw it up to him. He should be able to catch it. So I don't see why Evan Ingram and Caden Smith can't coexist in this offense, Bobby. Yeah, the question is, is like, can you put them on the both same side? Like, I don't see them lining up next to each other, like both to the right. I do see them lining up on opposite sides. Um, and then they might have to like shift their, like, you know, trying to stop the run to Caden Smith. And then that means you have less guys to cover Evan Ingram. So I definitely think like there's they better be on the field at the same time. You better get creative with those two guys. And I actually think with Torlolo, they'll have they'll have just packages where Ingram might not be on the field and it's just Torlolo and Smith. Or you have all three and you have Ingram like split out in the slot. There's so many creative ways you can use these three. And I I will be frustrated if they are not used like pretty often. Um I I, I we have three wide receivers that we can trust, but I think we should be. I, I hope we see a lot of two tight end sets this year, Justin. Yeah, I'll be. I'll be quick about this. But one, two, three, four games from 2019 out of the eight games that Evan Ingram played in, he played in over 80 percent of the snaps, and there were even two games where he played 87 and 88 percent of his snaps. And I remember that Det- that Detroit game where he was really banged up. I think he played. He played 88 percent of the snaps. It's kind of crazy. I don't want Evan Ingram playing. Over 80% of the snaps in a football game. I don't want to see it. You signed Levine Toy Lolo for a reason. I think he is much better than Rhett Ellison. You, I felt like you even signed Rhett Ellison for a reason, but that kind of diminished as time went on where he had a value at fullback. He had value as a blocking tight end. Now in 2019, he wasn't really doing doing that doing that well in anything. <laughs> where you're hoping that Levine Toy Lolo, I mean, just, you know, Danny already talked about how massive of a human being he is. You're hoping he can at least bring you something in the blocking department. So let's use them. Let's use them. You know, they absolutely, all of these guys can absolutely coexist. Jason Garrett has always thrived with having multiple tight ends, even remembering back to when Martellus Bennett was before a giant, when he was on the Cowboys with Jason Witten. Um, what, uh, Dunbar? Is that a, am I getting the guy that got arrested confused with the, I uh, know, Escobar. Whoop, that was yeah, a bad moment. Pablo Escobar. Escobar. <laughs> Escobar and Witten, they coexisted together. So I think Jason Garrett's going to really thrive um, having not just two tight ends. But having three tight ends, that can all kind of do different things. Engram's a good effort blocker, um, but definitely on a first and 10, give me Caden Smith, give me give me Levine Toy Lolo in 12 personnel lining up right next to each other with on, on the side of Will Hernandez and Andrew Thomas and Saquon Barkley getting five yards a pop. Give me that. I do want to see Evan Ingram playing at least 80% of the snaps, though, by the way. But yeah, I, I agree with what your, your points, though. We'll fight about that. Also, I completely butchered... Toilo's name. I, can't, I think I just can't That's say what's it. new. To- what's new, Danny? Nothing's new, but I'm just bringing it up again. That like I cannot say names with the. We need like a, a highlight reel of all the names that Danny messes up. It, that'd be like twenty minutes long, probably. I think the highlight of it is just Damian Harrison. <laughs> <laughs> Didn't he retweet you? <laughs> no, he he responded to me. When I guess it was one of those days where we had no, nothing to talk about, so we went. So everyone went after Harrison. By the way, Danny, oh. you still have that as your pin tweet. You should change your pin tweet. 
I remember I told you because that's when we were first starting up, and I was like, "You should do that as your pin tweet." That like that did really big numbers. That was actually still, the biggest. Still gets likes to this day. I know. I remember I was so mad. It was like Danny had this huge tweet, and I never had one go over a thousand at the time. You know, now I, I you know I'm kind of big. You know, I get thousands of likes all the time. No big deal, guys. Um, <laughs> but I was bothered, and my first one where I got over a thousand was Jerry Judy um, with a nasty. Juke move, so it wasn't even Giants related. That one got like ten thousand. That one was yeah. Wild. I could even I could even come back from that. There was nothing I could do. You just casually drop ten. You 000. gotta watch college football, dude. College football clips are just nuts. They go crazy, but you have to go crazy clipping them. And I realized I was just not gonna do that. Um, but yeah, Danny, consider changing your pin tweet. No one cares about Damian. Imagine having that as your pin tweet, as Kristen would say. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Damn, you really, bro. That woman, she's still pissing me off to this day. She's the worst. She's a horrible person, and I do not like her. All right, uh, voicemail, mailbag. What we got? Voicemail. So, uh, uh, Murph and the Mage. This is the Murph. So let's listen to what Murph has to say. It's just Murph, not the Murph. What's up, Bobby and Justin? It's Murph from Murph and the Mage. Just wanted to reach out and give my uh, thoughts on Anthony Tamano. Miss AT in this Giants universe. Um, AT was always a genuine person, easy to speak to, always there for me when I had a personal question or a football question. He always took time out of his day to answer it. Um, he's going to be truly missing this fan base. Um, that kind of leads me to my next point is I love all you guys. This Giants fan base kind of means so much to me. Um, we saw it with Anthony's passing. You know, we're we're united as one at the end of the day. We might all bicker, we might all fight, um, argue and disagree on things, but at the end of the day, we're all one unit and we're all here for each other. So I just want to reach out and give my support. Bobby and Justin, as always, you guys are great. Love your pod. Thank you for everything you do for our community. Um, and I will speak with you guys soon. And to my Giants fans and followers, I love all of you guys and uh, I hope and pray for a a uh, safe 2020 for the rest go, of the way. Go check out Thanks, Mark and the Mage. Those are our guys. They have supported us from day one, so it'd be bad for us to not support them. Go check out their show. They do good stuff. They do hit different topics. And I will say, you know, obviously, you know, Anthony was with us, and, you know, we talked a lot. But those two guys were close with Anthony. I mean, Anthony did like a two-parter episode with those guys, and I know they, you know, Anthony, me and Anthony are talking. They, like, they have their own personal conversations. Um. So those guys, you know, those guys are nice guys. Um, well, Murph, Murph, not so much. He's he's really mean, but I love it. Um, he's my bulldog. <laughs> uh, but no, in all seriousness, love both those guys. They've been both big supporters of us. Um, and I know, I know the Anthony news hit them, uh, you know, really damn hard too. You know, I, I know that they were pretty torn up about it. So appreciate those guys and love those guys. Amen. Well said. Well said. Well, next question uh, is from, oh, as I go check my DMs, uh, Frederick Robert Goodall II at Freddie Goodall. He asked, do you guys think McKinney can be in the running for defensive rookie of the year? He's going to get the chance from week one and will probably play with a chip on his shoulder since he fell to day two of the draft. Uh, I'll send this to Bobby first as I've been answering the first question. Bobby, what do you think? Um... I'm gonna. I will say that. No, I, I he has a chance. Yes, chance. Uh, but he'll have to get a few interceptions, um, for that to happen. 
because I think it's usually it's going to be favored towards a pass rusher, you know, like a Chase Young type. Um, you know, even a Chase if Chase Young gets seven sacks, like it's just pass rushers usually have the leg up on that unless he gets, like I said, he gets a, a good amount of interceptions. Um, but I don't think McKinney is going to be like the biggest stat stuff, you know, like he's not going to have a ton of tackles for losses. Um, like I said, I, I think it all relies on the interceptions. I don't know if I, I'm going to predict that he's going to have four or five. Um, but definitely, like, just as far as like player wise, yeah, I don't, I don't see why not he want to have a shot at it. Yeah, I mean, it, I mean, let's be honest, it's probably going to go to Chase Young unless something mirac- something goes wrong over there on his end. But yeah, I mean, he'll definitely be in the run end. Yeah, he has a chip on his shoulder. But I just don't Isaiah see Simmons him. Isaiah Simmons is in there too. Isaiah you know? Simmons, yeah. I don't see him guarding enough boats, especially at the safety position. As you said, he's going to need to pick up a few interceptions. I don't see him winning. It. He'll he'll probably have his name up there, maybe like in like I don't know, maybe the third, fourth spot. But I just see the don't guy see him Danny that's like, you know, he's not going to win it. But Xavier McKinney deserves a little more love. That's that's what Xavier McKinney. <laughs> that yeah, you know, th- <laughs> that's exactly what we will hear right there. He'll be the AJ be Brown sure. of last year's offensive rookie of the year. Where people yeah, are like, it, you know who my rookie year is? AJ Brown. AJ like, no, Brown. He's, he's not. He's not. You're just <laughs> trying to act like you watched Titan. Games. He contributed, but he just wasn't that good. There's also these uh these linebackers too. You know the Patrick Queens of the world. Um, help me out with other names. My my boy Willie Kenneth Gay Murray. Jr. from Mississippi State. Kenneth Murray. Right. So there's also all these good Cam Brown. That are Cam be Brown up too. Cam <laughs> Cam the Cam yeah the Cam Browns. Take Crowder. World. Um, who Carter, was that guy Carter that was Coughlin. Oh, okay. Here we go. Um, words. Chris Williamson. Mm-hmm. Oh, yes, yeah, safety. The where he's going to transition to safety. No, but uh, also it comes Darn down Holmes. to. All right, I'm done. Yep. I'm done. Sorry. TJ Brunson. Okay. <laughs> that's that's who we don't like. Um, it also it also comes down to I already said earlier before about this problem, the good problem that we have about getting love McKinney. Peppers on the field all at the same time. Um, and I just, I, I love talking about Snapshare. I guess it's a common theme in this episode. I talked about Evan Ingram, Snapshare. Um, is Xavier McKinney going to see, uh, like, you know, starting quality, like, starting right. quality snaps? That's that's my question. And that would be the only reason why, like, his stat sheet wouldn't be as stuffed. Um, because if everyone's healthy, you know, these guys are going to be all splitting time together, which is good. We want that. Team over everything. I respect yeah. Justin for keep talking as we were completely. Christian Angulo. All right. Next voicemail. Dan from Staten Island has given us a call. What's up, guys? Uh, this is Dan from Staten Island, New York. And I just wanted to see if uh, you guys take on this. Um, If you had to pick three guys from each side of the ball, offense and defense, that you expect, to have a breakout season, who would it be? I love the podcast, uh, first time caller, and been listening to it for over a month now, and uh, it's pretty good for car rides, you know. So uh, yeah, go Giants. Pretty good for car rides. Ain't, ain't good for anything else. <laughs> hey, don't get get off Dan's case, okay? He's this guy's listening to us <laughs> in the past month, and our last month hasn't been like full of content, you know. Post draft, that is true. So thank you, Dan, for calling in from Staten Island. So three, he said three breakout players. Let's let's shorten it down to to two, um, and then we'll do one offense and one defense. Um, Did you steal that from a question in the Twitter thing? Because that's like an exact question we got. 
Very, very similar. Yes. Well, very, Danny there, asked there are two that. Very similar questions. Danny, pull yeah, it up and and let's see what happens. I got Juan Pablo. Hey guys, big fan of the show Persass. and the Giants from, from Argentina. I wanted to know which players you would con- you consider will benefit from the new offensive and defensive scheme and which players will be most harmed by them. Thanks, Juan. Okay, so let's do defensive. All right, do you guys have a player on defense that you that you have in your mind for breakout? Yes. Okay, Danny, do you have one? Yes. All right, on the count of three, we're all going to say it on defense. Breakout player. One, two, three. Leonard Williams. You guys didn't say Blake it. Martinez. <laughs> uh, 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 DeAndre Baker. Okay, so Leonard Williams. I don't – maybe breakout is the wrong one, but I expect Leonard Williams to get sacks this year. I know everyone makes a half-sack joke. But Leonard Williams has gotten sacks in his career. He's been an all-pro in his career. So I think Leonard Williams is going to have an awesome year um, and get some kind of massive contract. So that's my guy on defense. Uh, Danny, explain DeAndre Baker, who I was probably second on my list, if he's even on the team. Well, oh, yeah, if he's even on the team. Uh, I, I chose Baker, one, because, I mean, I think we're going to see a brand-new Baker come out from all this. He's going to be reinvented, have a new determination to prove the organization, right, th- that they drafted him and that he's just a good guy. And if you look at his workouts he's been doing on Twitter, obviously they're just workouts everyone posts them. But, I mean, he looks to be in great shape. If you think about last year, all he was posting was him eating steak from fancy New York City restaurants or Jersey restaurants. So I think Baker has a lot to prove this year, and especially just to the organization that they were right in trading up to get him. So I think DeAndre Baker. Justin, explain, explain how uh, Blake Martinez, who has led the NFL in tackles for like 20 years in a row, is going to have a breakout year. Yeah, well, I'm kind of jealous of your answer because I've been on the whole Leonard Williams train you know, for however many months. And, you know, Blake Martinez is kind of a stupid answer. You know, I'll, I'll admit I'm a stupid idiot. But this is a guy that got a lot of hate when he kind of came in, you know, myself included. But then we take a, then we take kind of a step back and we realize, hey, this football player is kind of a, you know, he's kind of a good football player, right? But looking at what Graham does with his defense and how really there's a lot of times where there's only one interior linebacker on a field where you have a lot of secondary guys. And again, this is good for our three safeties that we have. There are three safeties and slash nickel cornerback and Julian Love. This is a good thing. Where Martinez is going to be the only linebacker on the field, and he's going to be used according to his strengths. And that is something that makes me very, very excited. So Blake Martinez is is my guy, even though, like you said, Bobby, he is uh, kind of leading the, tackle, leading the NFL in tackles like for the last 17 years. So I'm a stupid idiot, but what else Just, is new? Justin, you want to hear something? I completely disagree with that. I think the you know the the question by uh, Juan Pablo, which players are harmed the most? I actually think it's Blake Martinez because you said a lot of single linebacker stuff. Um, so he's not going to have someone that's going to be great like filling the gap behind him. A lot of on pass plays will have him on the line of scrimmage and then backing out. And Blake Martinez isn't the fastest guy, so there might be some quick passes over his head. So I actually think Martinez um, is the guy who struggles the most, uh, or not struggles, but like. Like he's gonna have a ton on his plate, really. Um, so I, I completely disagree. All right, that's something we're gonna. So I'll, we have to pencil down two two things now that we have to fight about in future shows. 
PPP will Blake Martinez PPP will fight about it. I like. I like that. Also, I want to add. I'm tempted to. Uh, I was tempted to also say Kyla Fackrell with the Patrick Graham relationship he formed mm. back in 2018 for my. Uh, I like all of your answers better than mine. So that 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 would have been my. I just chose Baker because I was under the clock, under pressure. But for a player that would struggle, I'm gonna be honest. I don't. I don't. I don't really have one right now. Justin, do you have one? A player who would struggle. You can go offense or defense. Okay, so come come back to me. Somebody else go. I have a, I have a player that can excel on offense. We have like five questions right uh, now. All right, give me your one that's going to excel on offense, Justin. Saquon Barkley. Very simple, but it's true. Okay. Um. So <laughs> I don't even know what question we're answering anymore. Um. We've completely uh, lost we're control, on, boys. We're on the, the, well, you know what? People listen to the show for for months with us. I think they'll be able to handle this little. Whatever's happening right now. Uh, I guess we'll go Twitter now. Love the international love. Ar- it's Argentina, not Argentina. We have to say it the way they said Argentina. Um, I'm just a kid from Long Island. I, I, I don't even know what I'm saying half the time. Uh, Helmet Catch Pop, what do, you, what do you do with Lorenzo Cardi if he has seven or more sacks this year? Uh, you sign him oh. to a five-year contract extension. No, I mean... I, I mean... I. I mean, he he obviously had did nothing of note last year. Uh, do I expect to do anything crazy this year? Well, I mean, if Marcus Golden comes back, not really. And then he got O'Shane Zimenez. If Lorenzo Carter has seven sacks this year, let's just say I would be shocked. Yeah, I'd be blown away. Um, not even like a knock on Carter. It's just I don't think his role is going to be like a like priority pass rusher where you have Zimenez where he like he's definitely a pass rusher. Fackrell, even though he does do some cover stuff, like he's going to be primarily a pass rusher. You know, maybe bring Golden back. You know, Carter Coughlin, he'd be a pri- you know a priority pass rusher. I don't, I don't know. So, I would be surprised. He has one year left on his deal, so you just you wait, um, see if he could do it two years in a row. Is what I would say, Justin. Yeah, if he gets seven sacks, he kiss him on the forehead. But he could really kind of transition to kind of a Devon Kennard role. I love comparing things to past Giants. So a Devon Kennard role where, yeah, we always wanted Devon Kennard to rush the passer, but Devon Kennard always did like multiple things for us, kind of like that off-ball linebacker. I know this is a, I know this was when you know we were running a four-three, but um, I think Carter can kind of transition away from solely being an edge rusher to lining up in different spots this year. And even you know we were we were talking about this when Anthony and I had our episode. Um, a couple weeks ago when we were talking about Patrick Graham's defense, uh, Carter is even good when he puts his hand in the dirt, which typically if you if you talk to a lot of guys, and I know Marcus Golden has said this in the past with his time in Arizona, guys, uh, some edge rushers don't like to put their hand in the dirt. They like to just, you know, they feel more natural when they're in a two-point stance and when they're in that kind of like that sprinter stance. But Carter seems to do pretty well when he puts his hand in the dirt. So he could be doing some multiple different things that we've never seen him do. But frankly, it's kind of necessary since he has had trouble kind of getting any kind of consistently consistency anywhere. So I like it. All right, let's do a voicemail. Let's do a voicemail. And then we'll answer and then do another voicemail after that. Good. Chris from Kansas. You keep spoiling their names and where they're from. Hi. My name is It's more Chris. personal. I'm from Kansas, but I've been a diehard Giants fan my entire life. So, the questions I have, uh, there's a few. 
here's a few that I have. Uh, first and foremost, what, what's with what's with all the hype around Darnay Holmes? <laughs> I like the kid. I've watched tape. I find him to be pretty darn decent. Decent. You know, he looks like he's a talented kid, but I, I don't see anything to coo about. But meanwhile, I sit here and hear all these reviews from Hall of Famers and stuff like that, talking about how this kid might be the steal of the draft. So I wanted to know your guys' take on that. Uh, another question for us is receiver depth. Um, I know that we have a trio, you know, three guys that are pretty darn good at the very top of the roster. But behind that, do you think we have any hidden gems, any guys that might be a future Darius Clayton? You know, maybe somebody that could come out of the woodworks like Darius did last year. Uh, and last question, last question here. So, Jadavion Clowney remains unsigned. So, with Jadavion Clowney, who remains unsigned, if he doesn't get a deal done, what do you guys think the odds are that he would sign with a team like the Giants for maybe not a veteran's minimum, but something along the lines of a five, five, you know, a five million dollar deal for a season, uh, to maybe try and be a sack leader? You, you know, my, my take on it is if he wants to play in a big city where he could really make some noise, I mean, where bigger and better to do it than New York. And we don't have a single pass rusher on the team. That's an elite guy. So maybe that could be the first time he breaks into double digits. I don't know. I would just like your guys' thoughts on maybe the potential of signing him to a small contract this year and having him, you know, maybe use us as a as a beacon to kind of turn the page and maybe earn him a nice big contract in the offseason next year. Anyhow, thanks for your guys' time. I hope to hear from you guys on your next talk show. Thank you, Chris. So we have three things. Darnay Holmes, well, wide me, receiver got, depth, Jadavion Clowney. Wait, hold on. I'm gonna I'm throwing this to you. I'm throwing this to you. So, Bobby, what's the deal with Darnay Holmes? Now, this is one of the things that I was looking forward to. If you listen to that Patrick Graham episode where Anthony and I were talking, he was like, I'm about to fight Bobby because he was not happy with what he saw from Darnay Holmes. So go forth, Bobby. Which was that the recent one? Yes. Towards okay. the end of it, he was like not not the biggest fan. Okay. So wh- here's what I want to do. He has three questions. I'll answer Darnay Holmes. Justin, you answer the clowny one, and then Danny. We already did the wide receiver death, but I want to hear who your favorite out of the three um, undrafted guys out of Derek Dillon, uh, Austin Mack, and Benjamin Victor. I want to hear who your favorite out of those three are. So I'll go first. Darnay Holmes, you watched him against Hollywood Brown, and you watched him look like the best cornerback in the nation. Um, the thought that he might move inside, because you do watch the games against like Washington State, and it's like this guy just kind of got bullied on the outside. So the hope is that you could put him in the slot. Um, I don't know why Anthony thought I was like, I'm not in love with Holmes. I'm not like putting like I'm, I don't trust Holmes to go out there and be like a dude. But I like when I watch him against Hollywood Brown, I, that gets me excited because I don't care. I don't care what you've done in other games. If you can shut down Hollywood Brown all game and be step for step, a lot of slot reps, then there's something there. Uh, I think he also had some injury issues. So uh, that's what gives me hope and homes. I, I now I'm not like, I'm not like Deion Sanders saying he's the, the going to the best corner in the draft and the steal in the draft, 
but there's definitely something there to be excited about. So second question was the wide receivers. Danny, who's your favorite out of those three? Uh, I, I like uh, Austin Mack, the receiver out of Ohio. I mean, one, he it, it, obviously if he does make the roster. He adds some height to the rot, to the wide receiver core, which is not very tall. You, you know, you got Shepard, Slayton, and uh, Tate all in there, five, well, five ten, five five tens, pretty much. So I, I'm a big fan of Austin Mack. I think out of all the guys that we picked up in the undrafted free agent market, I think he has the best shot of making this roster uh, legitimately, not like on practice squad. Justin Clowney, I know you love this question. I just had this thought, and it's a new thought. I would legitimately cut Golden Tate to sign Jadavion Clowney. Oh, here we go again. Why are we doing this? this we can that doesn't work though. Everyone has said that the tape I, thing, the, the zero cap, was a myth. Duggan told us that. He's like, hey, I've never seen that. He's like, that just... I don't care. just said that, and we just all ran with it. It's like Brian Stevens of SNY. I'm an Irrational Giants fan. I would cut Golden Tate to sign Jadavion Clowney. I'm an Irrational Giants fan. So if Shepard goes down, your second best... We'd, it'd be like the Patriots game. That would be our wide yep. receiver core. be like the Patriots game without Golden Tate. Yeah, I don't... Yep, even though I literally said earlier this episode that I'm concerned about wide receiver depth. For a one-year deal for Clowney, yes. who's never been... Clowney's not elite. He's very good, but he's not elite. And I was high on Clowney. Injected but... into my veins. I have a better shot of having a legit high school graduation than seeing Clowney play for the Giants this year. That joke sucked, honestly, Danny. I didn't like it. I was going to pretend it was funny. Who said it was a joke? Oh, well, now you've reeled me back in. All right. Next voicemail. Next voicemail. Familiar face on Twitter, but we've never heard her voice before. Hi, this is Janelle from Twitter at NickURN60. I am a huge New York Giants fan. I have season tickets, and I have paid for my season ticket. And I'm just wondering if you know for sure um, if they are going to allow us to be in the stadium at the start of the season in September. I am so, so looking forward to the first game, especially being home this year. I am an RN in New Jersey, and I love my Giants. And I'm just hoping you might have some news. I know it's a little bit early, but I was just wondering if you think the season will start on time and if there will be fans in the seats. Thanks, and I appreciate uh, all you do, and uh, love seeing you on Twitter and your show. Thanks. Bye. Justin, you're a season ticket holder. Why don't you answer? Uh, answer yeah. This. And thank you for calling in. Yeah, Janelle, thank you. Um, It was this week that Murphy did indicate that there could be fans in the seats of MetLife Stadium. And uh, I don't know. Hey, a little a little side note, too. I don't know if they were if they were just talking about the Giants. I think I just heard the Giants referenced in what Murphy was saying. Don't know if he was also talking about the Jets. So Jets fans, you can stay home, but Giants fans, they'll be allowed in. No, um, I frankly don't know. There is no like solid information. What I do know as a fact, the Giants, uh, in terms of their ticket office, they've extended their deadline that you have to pay for the tickets to July, which that's not normally the case. You know, preseason games are happening in August. So they've extended that deadline largely because uh, I think they may have to make some sort of decision about what is going to be happening and if, you know, people are, are they are they going to be getting a refund or are regular season ticket holders, do they have to pay up because there's going to be some sort of plan to actually allow people who have tickets to go into the stadium? We don't know if there's going to be half capacity, quarter capacity. So 
Uh, but yeah, that's that's basically all we know. We have that Murphy little tidbit from this week that fans that at least uh, it's a plan right now to have fans at MetLife Stadium, hopefully tentatively. And the Giants have extended their their payment plan in terms of when the money's actually due for the tickets. Right on. I, w- I want to say this really quickly. The month of July will be a huge factor determining what happens come September. Like with everything going on in the world, if there's a spike, then I think everything shuts down again. If if it's relatively calm, then I think there could be fans in the stands at least at half capacity. Listen, I think there's a chance that there's not going to be fans, but I will say this, guys, with everyone going back into the streets, and it wasn't just you know not just a protest, like just people were slowly going back to normal life. I don't see people accepting another quarantine i think they're like nope we already tried that not doing it again it's like whatever happens happens we're not going to have another quarantine might not have fans in the stands but i don't see this country having another quarantine all right political talk over danny next mailback question if we do if we even have any left we do we do we have i believe two more left next question comes from Afro Skinner, he asked, first, I would like to send my condolences to you guys. I didn't know Anthony personally, but the way you guys and others talked about him showed what a great guy he was and how much he was loved by the G fam. My question, will Nick Gates be the giant started center in 2021? Bobby, I know you're passionate about this, so I'll just say my answer first. No. Who do you think is going to be it? Pulley. Yeah. The closer we get, the more in my mind I'm like, Maybe it is going to be pulley, but I've already like stuck on like I'm stuck on with the Nick Gates for sent. Now I, I don't think pulley would be the right one, but me personally, I'm all for Nick Gates. Uh, but the closer we get to the season, the more and more I think they are going to give pulley the first shot. I don't know why. I just I don't know. It's just one of those things. But I'm all for the Nick Gates. He showed to be a good football player last year. I want good football players to be on the field, not on the bench, uh, especially for the offensive line spot. And Pulley was, he only had one game, but he was flat out horrible. Something me and Anthony thought about a lot actually was Spencer Pulley. So, uh, but I'm, I'm Nick Gates. Justin? Eh, um, I, it's still sticking that Dan Schneier tidbit of needing play strength, needing an anchor, needing a guy that has a ton of play strength to anchor the middle of that offensive line. And hey, have faith in this coaching staff. Have faith in this. Uh, have faith in Joe Judge that he'll actually let the best man win and you know let these ba- camp battles commence. If Lemieux is the guy that shows that he can be the best anchor, now there's more to you know being an offensive lineman, and, and and there's more to being a center than just having play strength. You know, you, you need a, you need a guy that's able to that's able to call things at the line of scrimmage, call protections, and communicate with everyone else. So, hey, um, but let the best guy win. I'll say. Lemieux for right now, and I, I, I no, you need I, to stop. I'm, Do I'm not allowed put that hope into Giants fans. People are too like I love Lemieux, but he is not ready to start. Probably, like I would be worried if he was starting at guard, let alone center. The Lemieux hope for Week One has to stop, Justin. We are sc- we are screwed if he's starting. It's June. It's well, June. It let it be and I'm allowed surprise. to change my mind. All right, all right, all right. Uh, no, I'm next- t- no, I'm too smart. Next, all right, all right, Julian. Next voicemail. Gentlemen, gentlemen, gentlemen. This is all things Giants at Giants Things. I'm gonna start off straight off top. Um, I just want to give my deepest heartfelt condolences to all of you gentlemen at Talking Giants. Justin, Bobby, Danny. 
everybody else behind the scenes that you collaborate with um, in regards to the news regarding um, Anthony Tamana. Um, deep condolences to his family and deepest condolences to each and every person that he touched throughout his life. Rest in peace to him. Wow, that that shook me up. Um, what I was basically calling in for regarding the question is, the question I have for you guys is, which seventh-round draft pick do you think has the best to, you know, for each of you guys has the best chance to make the team? And the same question for UDFAs. Which which one seventh-round pick and which UDFA do you think has the best chance to make the team and why? All right. Thanks a lot, guys. Appreciate your content, and um, stay strong in this tough time. Oh, gosh. Which seventh-round pick? Uh, obviously, I think Tay Crowder might be – no, I'm going back. Carter Coughlin. Carter Coughlin, I think, is probably the easier one there. I think naturally he's just uh, one of the better athletes. Uh, I think he can do a multitude of things. Um, he has multiple pass rushing moves, which is kind of rare for a seventh rounder. And undrafted free agents, I am personally in love with Dominique Ross, but that interior linebacker spot is kind of uh, kind of filled with a lot of depth right now. Come back to me on the undrafted free agents. How about that? Uh, I agree with you on Carter Coughlin. And then best chance, I'm going to go Derek Dillon. Um, if you remember, Joe Judge was the wide receiver coach for the Patriots. They had some smaller wide receivers. Um, I think they. I think he's going to put a premium on speed more than size. Um, Austin Mack could be uh, there, but uh, so I'll say Derek Dillon's the best shot. Um, hopefully, I'm not missing anybody. So yeah, I'll go Derek Dillon. Maybe Kyle Murphy, the tackle out of Rhode Island to play. Yeah, guard. I was. I was thinking Kyle Murphy. Yeah, I was thinking Murphy. Danny, what? Who's who's your? Uh, who seventh rounder and undrafted free agent? I mean, is it bad if I say Tay Crowder because I really like Tay Crowder? Everything no, I've I, I, I probably like Tay Crowder more than I do Coffin, but just best chance, I like yeah, there's, yeah. there's a spot there to be had. All right, I, I respect that, but yeah, I'm going Tay Crowder. I just personally like what I've seen from him. an undrafted free agent. I mean, I said Austin Mack, but I'm gonna be honest, I really don't know the undrafted free agents. I mean, I know them, but like, I don't know them like that well so i'll just say i'll just say derek dillinson that's what you said bobby yeah we're for, for we're forgetting about javon leak too but he would have to beat out oh, goldman yeah. which according to bobby that's not that hard to do um hey, yeah, yeah. Who, who, who's slandering goldman on this show i've always been a goldman slander <laughs> bobby <laughs> danny remember how mad i was when we cut rob martin oh you were fuming you were fuming for like i was just days. aggravated like why and by the way, who called it? You know, people say I'm too positive, and I probably am. But John Hillman was the only undrafted free agent last year, Danny, that we had just nothing positive to say. It's like, that know, like he doesn't do anything good. And they cut Rob Martin to have Hillman on the freaking team. Who, like, they weren't – Rob Martin was, like, twice the back at Rutgers than Hillman was. So I was frustrated by that. And, and while that decision turned out to be a nightmare, especially in that Patriots game. He was so bad. Uh, it was it was painfully bad. All right, I, I got feel one. like oh. I feel like T.J. Brunson is this year's draft class where we just have like nothing to kind of say. I mean, there's some like things about him, but like there's nothing that excites me about T.J. Brunson. How about that? So can we give him the John Hilleman Award? 
No, because I think that John Hillman should be an undrafted free agent. Chris Slayton was the only draft pick last year. I said I had nothing positive to say about it, and he didn't make the team. Um, um, was Big George last year? We we had a lot of positive things to say about Big George. He just freaking got hurt. I'm surprised they actually yeah, haven't I'd... brought him back in for camp, honestly. Yeah. Well, Haters. No, that would change. And, uh, when training camp gets closer. I got one last question. Uh, Doc Marino at Doc Marino NYG. He asks, hey, guys, my heart goes out to you and Anthony's family. My question is motivated by his memory. Which division rival would he want the Giants to absolutely destroy the season? And can we get a starting player to rock uh, rock Anthony's name on a set of cleats? You guys have more, what's the word, maybe more conversations with Anthony than I did. So what, what division rival did he despise? It's got to be the Eagles, right? Yeah, I'm feeling I'm feeling more of a Philly vibe than than Dallas. Yeah. Now, star a a, a player. Let's cut out star because that's that's the regional too high. But they get a player to put his his cleats on. I wouldn't I wouldn't even ask Kevin Zeiler, um, because I just don't think he likes us that much. Um, his wife does, and she buys our stuff. Shout out Sarah Zeitler. Car- you know who would do it? Carter Coughlin. I think I feel like Carter Coughlin would. He's kind of a little. He's a little active on social media. Um, I think Carter Coughlin would be the one to do it. Julian Love has his DMs open and he kind of engages with people. Xavier, now I, I know I'm going like bigger names Ooh, here. McKinney could be, but it in terms he of does respond a lot. Yeah, in terms of yeah, in terms of people that engage with like the community and like Giants Twitter, McKinney is a guy that certainly does do it, and they have the safety connection. Safety to safety. People love how McKinney is talking, and I do too. But if say he struggles, people are going to get over that real oh quick. I just wanted to let you know that you might hate Xavier McKinney's oh, twenty boy. Twitter in uh, 2022. We'll see. I like the guy. I'm rooting for him. All right, voicemail. How many do we got left? Oh, we got uh, we got one, two, three, four voicemails left. Right. Oh, we need to rapid fire this. <laughs> hey guys, coming for a third attempt here. Joe from North Jersey, first time, long time. Yes, uh, Bobby. Justin, Danny, just wanted to give you my condolences for, you know, everything I have with Anthony. Horrible situation, but like you guys said, really sheds light on the Talking Giants community. It's just been awesome to see the support from everyone. And uh, I guess to, you know, talk Giants, I would wonder, uh, you know, who or what player you think will benefit the most from being in Joe Judge's new system. Uh, is it a guy in offense like Daniel Jones taking a big leap in his second year? Is it a guy anchoring the D-line like Dalvin Tomlinson take that big third-year leap? Uh, you know, be good guys. And, again, rest in peace, Anthony. I'm going to say, this is off the top of my head, I wanted to go Shepard, but I'm going to go I'm going to go Zimenez because you got Brett Bielma on there. And we've always just seen the Patriots – like, just get sacks out of nowhere, no matter who it's from. So, Zimenez, who has some pure pass rush talent. I'm going to go Zimenez. Now, there might be someone, if I thought more about this, but off rip, I'm going to go Zimenez. Justin? Yeah, this is kind of similar to two questions that we actually got. Um, and I'll actually maybe fully fledge out the Saquon point, where I, I just yelled Saquon Barkley, and I said, because that makes sense. Well, here's actually why it makes sense. Um, the Giants last year, in terms of NFL teams' first quarter points per game, the Giants averaged three points uh, in the first quarter last year, which ranked 28th in the National Football League. Uh, last was Washington, and they ranked two, and they had 2.3 points uh, averaged in the first quarter. So, 
the huge emphasis that I'm going to have and the huge point that I'm going to have over the summer that I've maybe I've had on this podcast before, but it's going to be the thing that I'm going to say over and over and over again is getting off to faster starts. You would blink in 2019 and we would be down 14 to nothing. Besides the first two games of the 2019 season where Eli Manning led the best offense in the National Football League for the first drive of every single game. Uh, besides those first two drives and those first two games, Outside of that, the Giants were terrible at getting off the fast starts on offense, and they got off the slower starts on the defensive side of the ball. So what we commended James Betcher for having his in-game adjustments. Breaking news. <laughs> because the defense – what, breaking news? Oh, boy. This was a great conversation I was having with myself. Danny, what's the breaking news? This is massive breaking news that shakes out the whole sports world. Uh, Coach Duggs is staying with Tennessee. He's staying with Tennessee. He oh, loves the recruiting God. class. He's running it back one last time. I, I cannot believe you interrupted. Thanks thanks for making us miss that, Justin. I can't believe you interrupted that awesome, like, how the Giants are going to be successful in 2020. Oh, all right. All right. I guess it was relevant, but, you know, also. Maybe Coach Doug's will be I, our coach. Maybe Coach Doug's will become our coach. I also can't. Coach Doug needs to get David Cutcliffe. I also can't stand when people break news on a podcast. This isn't radio. That was legendary news. I mean, even though everyone's going to know about it tomorrow morning. Hey, I will say, like, I'm I'm not, like, a huge barstool guy, but Coach Doug's, man, has been electric. Uh, there are, like, 127,000 people watching that night. I legit look forward to the games. Uh, not, you know, I don't watch all of them, but there's games where I just look forward to them. So, uh, but th- I, I agree with your point. Or, or, get, off to, or get off to early lead. Yeah, yeah that, that was a... Yeah, yeah, great great point. point and all. Get off to early leads. You run the ball more. Saquon Barkley. Okay, th- <laughs> there. I'm done. That's the point. Someone tell that to Coach <laughs> Duggs, honestly. Run the ball a little more, Coach Duggs. Nah, run, tell Jason Garrett to run more halfback wheels. Yeah, more wheel routes. That was Hey, that's what Giants fans were clamoring for all year, so do that. All right, uh, next voicemail. Let's just let's, let's feel like it's appropriate to move on. Hey, what's up? Good morning, guys. This is Carlos over at Big Blue Issues. First and foremost, I want to give my condolences Carlos. to you guys. Passing Anthony, it's kind of kind of shocking to find out. It's hurting I me. Mean, I know I know I don't know you guys personally, but you know, in a sense, I kind of do feel like I know you guys personally, and it was real shocking. So uh, I'm gonna start that off. We do. We're fam. I don't have any questions. That was really about all I had to say. Yeah, it's kind of hard to put into words, really. But um, just keep doing what you guys do, man. I look forward to you guys doing your thing in the future. Have a good day, boys. Carlos, you're the man. You legit like me and Danny actually looked at our first mailbag um tweet ever. Carlos was one of like four people um who who put it in there. So thank you, Carlos. You're the man. Thank you for supporting. And you know what? It we are, you know, we may not know each other, but we freaking know each other. We're like fam. Uh and we appreciate you. And I know I speak for Danny and Justin on that. Yeah, Carlos is actually on the Bleeding Blue website. He wrote two blogs. He wrote like he wrote an awesome like um, like let's get pumped for training camp where it was like, I don't, I, it was almost like, I, I don't want to call it a poem, but it was almost like a little bit of like a reflection of like, you know, the cutting of the grass, you know, getting all the helmets together and stuff like that. So that's awesome. He did that last year. And then he also wrote an awesome ode to Jared Lorenzen when Jared Lorenzen hefty lefty passed away. So yeah, we're family, man. You know, again, it's, 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 it's why we do what we do. Hey guys, this is the real Frank the Tank. Thanks for calling me out, Bobby. Um, I don't usually call into shows or ask questions because, frankly, I suck at it. Um, 
But in light of everything that has transpired the last week or so, I figured I could say a few things. Um, to start, I'd like to reiterate my sincerest condolences to the Giant Talking Giants team, uh, Bobby, Danny, and Justin. Love you guys, um, as well as the Talking Giants family. Um, you guys have really created a community here, and especially to Anthony Tomiano's family. Um, it's a tragic loss of a bright young mind, and uh, I really feel bad for his family and his kids and his wife, and um, it's just terrible. Um, I, I'm sad that I'm not going to get to listen to him talk Giants anymore. Um, but I love to see the community come together and boost that GoFundMe. Um, I, I saw this morning that it was over $60,000 for his family, and that's just incredible and amazing, and it says something about who he is as a person and, and what you guys have done together uh, as a show. All right, so my question. Um, it's really hard to come up with something because you guys have pretty much addressed everything. Um, it honestly says something about your show and how thorough you are. Um, but something's been on my mind, um, and I guess I'll just throw it out there. I hear a lot of people saying that the defense is going to be a problem again. Um, I get that. Um, we've been bad for a long time. But uh, I think there's a lot of upside as long as some of these young guys take the next step. Um, we've got some key new vets. Uh, we got a stud DB in Bradbury, who I think is uh, pretty versatile, moving between the slot and the boundary. Um, I think Blake Martinez is better than a lot of people give him credit for. And another year for Leonard Williams on the team. Um, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, I personally think this can be a top 12 D if guys like Baker, Connolly, X-Man, Zoe Carter, and Big Dex advance, as well as having Xavier McKinney come right in and be a big uh, step up from what we had back there last year. I want to know what you guys think the upside is for this defense. Okay, so uh, Frank, thank you for calling in. Uh, we didn't put the second half in because we thought that was good. Um, first of all, I did call out probably like seven people. And you know what? And part of it is is because, like Frank said, it's family. And Frank Frank is probably our biggest supporter. Either him or Topher Peter is our biggest supporter. Like, they listen to every single second of every single episode. Um, and it, would, it wouldn't have felt right if Frank wasn't a part of that episode. So that is, that's one of the main reasons. That actually is the main reason I called out Frank, along with some other people. Like, you know, like Isaac Moretta, he used to leave mailbag questions every time. Um, he hasn't been doing it a ton lately, but I was like, you know what? We got to get Isaac on there. Um, so basically that's what it was. Uh, so we, you know, Frank is the man, Frank, the tank. We love you, Frank. So with his question, guys, I would say, actually, Justin, let me kick it to you. What do you think about the defense as a whole? I think top 12, that's a very, very bold claim. And I guess, you know, for ranking the defense in terms of maybe yards allowed, let's say. But this goes back to my point about why Saquon can be so effective. It's a team game, Bobby. It's a team game. And if we are able to have the success on offense where we are controlling the clock and our time of possession uh, can be much better in 2020, that only helps the defense. And that helps a defense that really does kind of need it. 
Um, and that's partially what you've seen in years past. I hate to use the Dallas Cowboys as an example, maybe like those those 2014 teams where that team was 12 and four um, and, and DeMarco Murray was going bananas. That defense wasn't great. Um, and even 2016 as well, when when Dak and Zeke, they were going bananas as well. They were really running the ball, and that was their bread and butter. And that defense wasn't anything great, but they were one of the top defenses in terms of yards allowed because their offense controlled the clock. So that's kind of like what you're hoping. If there's a really like a a, a path to where this Giants defense is like an above average defense in terms of where you rank them, maybe in terms of points allowed, yards allowed, it's the path of, hey, the Giants are actually holding on to the ball. Yeah, I think top 12 is quite bold. I don't think this defense is ready for that big of a jump because, one, it's still relatively young. The secondary is still young. So I think we'll see improvement. Obviously, Patrick Graham's defense wasn't the best last year in Miami, but that's because like he had like literally no good personnel within there. But it won't be – the defense should be better. I believe Patrick Graham will use these players to their strengths, unlike James Betcher, who would – do whatever i don't even know what james betcher did at the time <laughs> like i think patrick graham like he mentioned uh, frank mentioned james bradbury patrick graham uh, uh james betcher never had like janoris jenkins shadow the opposed team's number one he would just have whoever's on that side deal with him and that sometimes would end up being deandre baker so i think graham will use these players to their strengths this defense will be improved but i, I think top 12 is too far maybe maybe we're looking more in like top 20 i think that's more realistic maybe top 25 <laughs> Top twenty is what I would I would aim for. There's so like like Frank said, you know, a lot of guys can make the jump, but you got you're depending on a lot of guys, and that's what happens when your defense is super young. Um, that being said, if Jones fumbles the ball less, we hold on to yep. the ball a little more, like um, Justin was saying. Uh, pair that with you know, I'm not sold on Patrick Graham, but what I will say is that on third downs, Patrick Graham will be aggressive and he will be creative. Where Betcher, that was when he was the worst, was on third downs. Um, so I'm not even saying we're going to be good on third down, but at least we're going to take some chances there where we really didn't do that with Betcher a ton. Um, so I think top 20 is a good goal. Uh, top 12, I'd obviously be thrilled, but you just, it's just so many young guys you're, uh, expecting to take a leap, but like top 12 in points, I don't think is the craziest thing. I mean, there's a, I know every team plays the ifs game this year, but there is a lot of like positive ifs for the Giants yeah. this, this year. And one final thing on on Frank the Tank. First of all, thank you for calling. Frank the Tank is one of those guys where we've disagreed on Twitter before. Like we we've disagreed, you know, I I I you know, I I kind of have some radical stances on things because I like analytics and I like numbers and I like throwing the ball. Not to say that people who like running the ball also hate throwing the ball, but you know, that's just me. Um there's there's context and everything has nuance, but Frank the Tank has been someone who we've had like disagreements before, but He's never unfollowed or he's never stopped interacting with me because uh, he knows that, oh, just because I don't agree with this one person. So uh, thank you for being you, uh, Frank the Tank. And and we didn't block him like another oh. podcast did. Oh. <laughs> wouldn't it be right to take not a, take a shot? Bang, bang, shots wow. fired, even though I don't know who that podcast is. It's the Ricky and me. Stanley, you do know. Just think for like three seconds, one time. Oh, uh, okay. The, yeah, I, what I, podcast I do we not like that blocks everybody? Don't say it out loud. <laughs> they, but just... they they blocked me for just <laughs> knowing you. Yeah. So we, you oh. do know. All right, uh, we have all right, next, one more next one more voicemail from uh at one of our one of our favorites. What's up, fellas? It's your boy Topher Pete. 
It's an yeah, honor to be considered one of your first followers, man, and I'm glad to be a part of this great Giants community we're growing here. I'm thankful for your guys' friendships, and I'm looking forward to have that grow this season. My question's a two-parter. Uh, with the addition of Garrett and Colombo on the staff, what do you think will be the biggest impact and stamp they will put on this new-look offense? And considering Garrett's success with tight ends, running backs, and his quarterback IQ, which player do you see benefiting the most out of uh, Barkley, Ingram, and Jones? <laughs> Thanks, fellas. Looking forward to the show. Go Blue. You already know my answer. <laughs> yeah, so we talked about all those guys. Now, I think all those guys will be good. Um, but I I think those three guys, I would be I, – I would expect success out of them no matter who the offensive coordinator is. So I'm going to – Go. I'm going to veer off. I'm going to say Darius Slayton is going to benefit the most because of this Air Cor- Air Coriel. You need um, a vertical threat. Slayton is that guy. Now you can use Tate and and Ingram as vertical threats. It doesn't necessarily need to be an outside threat, but I think Slayton will benefit from that. Danny, uh, I'm going to say Jones just because he had Eli last year to help learn. Now he's going to have Jason Garrett to help him teach him some new things. I'm going to go Daniel Jones. Danny Dimes. All right. So was that was that the last voicemail? We did it. All right, guys. You guys are like family, man, and we appreciate you guys. I like how you saved the two guys who do listen to every minute for the last because you knew they would listen, Justin. That's just great producing mm. on your part. I love it. We're family, guys. We're the greasy three. Okay? We're going to dominate. We're going to have fun. And like I said to start on, we will never move on. But we will move forward, and I think we'll do a good job. Boys, I love you. Listeners, I love you. Anthony, we love you. We miss you. Your family, we love you. We'll see you guys on Friday. Until then, let's go Big Blue.